Hello, um, welcome to the Beginner's Mindset Living Room Podcast. And this is your host, uh, Taki Musa. And I would like to uh, welcome you uh, to tune into our show tonight. And I have a special guest uh, who will be introducing himself uh, shortly. Hello, I'm Alexa Tower. I'm an audiovisual artist and a freelance writer. So I focus on doing graphics for posters, album covers, um, t-shirt prints, just all sort of digital art, mm. as well as video and photography. Yeah. And I also write, I write for a magazine called Africa 2.0. I okay. focus on subcultures, fashion, and art history. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, where are you from? Uh, where were you born? Where have you lived? Uh, can you tell us a bit about that as well? Um, I'm from Cameroon originally. Yeah. I was there until I was about five. And then I moved to Tanzania, so same place as you guys. I was there from five till about 13. Okay. I moved to Holland, Yeah. where I was for a little bit, and then went to England and I've been in England ever since. Well, back and forth between Holland and England. Okay. So you've been studying in England? Yeah, I've been studying in England and going home to my family in the Netherlands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you have just graduated, uh, I believe, uh, from your master's, right? Um, yeah, I haven't graduated yet, but I handed yeah. in my dissertation a month ago. So now I'm just waiting for my grades. Once I find out how that went, then I'll know if I graduate. I passed all my other things, so. Okay. Oh, well done. Well done. Yeah. So what, what were you studying for your master's? I did my master's in media with a, with a specific focus on um, black masculinity in American film. Yeah. So I analyzed three films from today and I compared them to Richard Wright's novel, Native Son, and the representation of Black masculinity in that book that came out in 1930. Yeah. And I tried to see how far we've come from this idea of the angry Black man that was being created by a Black man himself, Richard Wright. So yeah. it, was all, it was like a clear example of internalized racism. Yeah. And I was trying to see how Black creators today are showing Black, or re representing black masculinity. Um, the findings are pretty bleak. We haven't come too far. There has been progress, but for the most part, it's a lot of the same imagery. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, what, what motivated you to uh, to have uh, to choose that uh, that discipline when you are doing your masters? Um, because I'm. I'm a big believer in imagery and the like the positive and adverse effects it can have on the human condition and the way we view the world. Right. So I think with the recent Black Lives Matter movement um, and all the videos we've been seeing of black people, black men specifically, they had yeah. like a black women, but for the most part, it's been black men um, being. Um, forced into positions where they are either killed or hurt. Yeah. I think us having to watch that over and over again is traumatizing. And I just wanted to explore it within <laughs> the film space or within like the Hollywood space. Yeah. 
what was happening there with their imagery. All right. Yeah. Okay. So now that you have come to the uh, to the end of this chapter of uh, of your education, um, and once you receive the good news that uh, you know you have passed your dissertation and then you'll be graduating. Uh, what is next for you? Where do you see yourself in terms of uh, career aspirations or professional uh, pursuit in the next two to five years? Um, two to five years. I've spent the last month designing my own website, so I should be launching my website at, within yeah. the next week or two. Hopefully, by the end of next week, it should be launched. Yeah, I'm going to do freelance design, freelance writing, and my entire portfolio will be available there for people to go see the work I'm doing and so they can hire me. Okay. So I'll freelance, and I'm also looking for um, full-time permanent work. So oh. hopefully I would like to work in either the art space in a gallery in some capacity because I've worked as a curator's assistant in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, either that or within like the digital media and communications field. So producing videos or producing just content for people to consume, hopefully positive content that kind of um, shift, shifts the way we view Africa because mm -hmm. like, that's, that's what I lean towards most. So okay. I'm very into like magazines like Africa as a country, Africa as a country. The magazine I'm currently writing for, Africa 2.0, Native, Natal. So all these African publications, I'd love to work with them to produce yeah. like really vital and important like content that we need today. Okay, okay, that's uh, that's quite interesting uh, because uh, one of the things I would also like to talk about with you is about the uh, the role that uh, the Africans in diaspora. Uh, can play or should play in uh, promoting uh, African art and culture uh, within the continent and outside the continent. And, and part of it is because of the of what we have been seeing that um, even within the, within the continent that you see a lot of people uh, importing the, uh, the culture from, from other countries, from the Western world. And then this is given so much significance uh, at the expense of the African culture. And uh, I think uh, the Africans in diaspora have a role to play because they've been outside, they see what they see. And uh, I, would, I would just like to get your views on, on how you see the African in, in diaspora and what role they can play in that. I think um, currently they're playing a pretty I mean, at least from where I'm standing, we're playing a pretty good role. I've seen with the new um, art fair in Africa, ArtX, that my sister worked for for a little bit. So it's a new, like, huge art fair, and they exhibit artists from all over Africa. And, and where does it take place? In Nigeria. In Nigeria, okay. It takes place in Nigeria. And actually, two years ago, they sold a painting for, like, the highest any African artist has ever sold a painting for. I think it was, oh, like, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, I think so like, is this something that happens every year or is yeah, this Art, one off? Art Fair happens every single year. Okay. I think it's like in its fourth or fifth year now. It's pretty young. It's not a, it's not an old established fair yet. 
But there's also other biennials that happen across Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, RX is the one that I'm closest to because my sister worked with them, so I know the most about that. Okay. So I think in terms of people pushing and people, because my sister studied in America and in the UK, and then she went back to work with this fair. Yeah. I think there was an active push there. If we look at um, Last Christmas, where they had the homecoming in Ghana, mm-hmm. where a lot of artists went back to Ghana and they did um, shows there, they did events there, they had exhibitions. Same thing with Nigeria. The whole, like, last December, Mm-hmm. It was a very, very big push for Africans from the diaspora to go back home and to celebrate their roots and to kind of push and promote where they came from. But yeah. also, I think with the exportation of African art to the West, mm-hmm. you see a lot of the times it being disrespected. Yeah. So it will be, you'll have a whole gallery space. You yeah. have different rooms for the different uh-huh. artists and they'll have one room entitled it like world art or like African art. And art with no labels, no explanations, really. Like this, the most famous one example of this is um the Magician de la Terre exhibition. Okay. I think in like the eighties, I was reading about it, but this it's like been happening for a while. Yeah. 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 So I think that's a that's a large scale of um of some of the movements. Maybe it started quite small and now. It has uh, uh, they, it has become more organized, and then people have come together to do what they do through these galleries, through uh, like the the movement where the um, the uh, African artists went back to to Ghana. Um, but I'm just I'm just also interested to know at a very small scale, uh, at an individual level. For example, for you or for, you know, uh, someone else, what do you think should be done? Or what do you think can be done? Or what are you doing yourself about that? What am I doing currently? I mean, the magazine I write for is based in Ghana and its biggest audience is in Ghana. So I am actively trying to push Ghanaian artists to Ghanaian people and have a little bit of an effect on the scene there. Yeah. But I think I could be doing a lot more. I think in the future, I'd love to do a lot more. I'd love to go back to um, Cameroon, where I'm from. I'd love to go to Tanzania, where I consider it to be my home, because that's where I grew up. I yeah. don't really remember Cameroon as much as I remember Tanzania. Okay. But I think personally, I, I think I've told you this in the past, but I would love to make work that highlights um, old African leaders. So that's, mm-hmm. that's how I would like to go about it with my own art. Yeah. I've, I haven't really thought about how to highlight other people's art within the African space. Yeah. Maybe I will think about that a little bit more and get back to you. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's quite interesting because it's, it's also, uh, you have been, um, I think you have an intention. You are, you're already doing something about that. And I really like the idea of, uh, uh, what you're just talking about uh, promoting African leaders uh, because uh, the other day I was just talking to someone uh, in the, the same conversation that we are, we are having through this podcast uh, and this uh, individual who was my guest was talking about some of the leaders like uh, Julius Nyerere of Tanzania, uh, the founding father uh, and there are, there are many like that. There's Kwame Nkrumah and uh, a lot of others who 
played a very big role in Africa at the time of the independence and to shape the Pan-African movement. And uh, part, part of it is just because there has been no more stories told about these individuals through uh, our, in the education, I think, uh, curriculum, there is a mention, but it's not uh, a very big push, depending on where you are in which country. Uh, I know at my time when I was uh, when I was still going to primary school, uh, we we learn a lot about, for example, the uh, the independence movement, and therefore we learn a lot about uh, Julius Nyerere. But from what I hear, uh, the subsequent generations have not been learning as much, and and I think it will be a very good piece of work if you are to venture into that to research and to promote the good work that they did so that people know and they can draw a link and uh, uh, maybe attribute to um, to the good history of Africa. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree with you because yeah. I, I, I lived in Africa from what? I lived in Cameroon and Tanzania yeah. from when I was zero to 13 and I learned nothing about any African leaders. I was learning about King Henry and his six wives. I was learning about the Battle of Hastings. I was learning about all this random stuff that has to do with like these faraway countries that I'd never been to. And in my mind at the time, I was probably never going to go to. Yeah. But I, it took until I was about 18, 19, and I was in university. I had time for myself. I could do what I wanted in my spare time. Yeah. And I started to come across like the Thomas Sankaras, the Kwame Nkrumahs, the Patrice Lumumbas, all these different people. Yeah, and educate myself and learn about the the actual struggle and fight that they had to go through for independence, for freedom, for essentially everything that I benefited from. So I think doing that, producing work that is not just um, deep and well thought through, but also easily digestible, because yeah. today's um audience attention span is so short mm. and they're so they're like just constantly being inundated with different like images so yeah. i need, i would have to produce something that is easy to digest and quick and i think okay. that's where the difficulty comes in i think okay. that's where i'm i'm personally stuck because otherwise i would have been able to do this already okay okay yeah no i'll be i'll be very much interested once you have something uh uh, on that, uh, but I think it's a very good idea and it's uh, quite a good initiative. We're just talking uh, at the beginning about uh, the increasing number of COVID cases in the in the UK. Uh, something that we are also sharing with you here in the Netherlands. Uh, and I'm, I'm not quite sure because I don't follow up uh, very closely to know the actual number of cases. But uh, from what I heard that the, um, the Dutch government uh, is going to put more strict measures. Uh, so we are almost like going to go back to some of the uh, restrictions that we had and the quarantine will probably be uh, more strongly felt than we have felt in the, in the recent weeks. How is it like in the UK uh, in terms of the of the measures and the quarantine? Right now, it's uh, pretty bad. I think we're at seven thousand new cases a day around. Yeah, and they've just 
They initiated a 10 p.m. curfew, so everything closes at 10. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so we have a 10 p.m. curfew, and certain places in the north are on full are in full lockdown already. Yeah. So slowly, I think they're just gonna eventually put the whole country in lockdown. Yeah. Like I, I model on the side a little bit, mm. and my agency sent me a bunch of jobs. Yeah. I opened them. I was like, I'll get back to these later. Came yeah. back an hour later, all the jobs were canceled. So I think slowly everything is just gonna everything that has to do with events or outdoors is yeah. gonna be canceled. So, yeah. Yeah. I think we probably have another two or three weeks. Um yeah. the the African art festival that happens at Somerset House every year. Mm. I'm gonna be going next year to cover it for a magazine. And sorry, not next year, next week to cover it for a magazine. Mm-hmm. And last year, I was there for the full day. Yeah. And <clears throat> I wasn't able to see all the art in the whole place. This year, it's going to be way smaller. Yeah. And you're only allowed to stay there for two hours. For so two hours, max. Yeah, there's all these different... There's limits to how many people can be in a space, how long you can be in a space. So, it's... Yeah. Um, yeah, this has, has changed life quite a lot. Um, because uh, what I also know... Is that uh, you know, like you in the past for for quite some time, you travel, you go to a place, you book a hotel, uh, you decide. Waking up in the morning, you're going to have breakfast, and uh, I I have experienced myself, but I also know that now they, with this restriction, they you have to plan in advance the the night before or even the day before when you're going to have breakfast. If you're going to use a gym what time you're going to, to do it and, and then um, uh, make a reservation. And uh, if, if you don't show up at that time and your time uh, passes, that's it. So it's, uh, it's just changes completely the way that um, we are going to be operating. Yeah, it's had a crazy effect. Like yeah. um, Ace Hotel in Shortage, that's like a staple hotel in Shortage. It, yeah. has, a, it has a free working space where a lot of creators will go and they'll get their work done in like a quiet place that free internet and the whole hotel is shut down because of Corona. Like they're not coming back at like, so they're out of business. That's taking away the whole institution that's been there for years that creators have been going to and just like left us with like nothing pretty much. Oh, wow. Wow. This is big. Yeah. This is big. Now, but during the time of uh, the, the first wave, when there was a, a quarantine, mm-hmm. uh, uh, many people experienced uh, uh, the, the quarantine and its effects in different ways. How were you affected? Um, or how were you, how were you affected in terms of uh, maybe getting your inspiration uh, for doing your creative work? And how was it how did that affect your your quality of life in general? Uh, the first time when it when it happened, the, the quarantine. Um, I think when we first went into quarantine, I it was I was a little bit anxious. It was like, oh, what is happening? Like the whole world is shutting down. Yeah. But over time, I slowly um, was able to pick up my work rate i was able to learn new skills and develop new skills mm-hmm. because there was this um like being like the fear of missing out because yeah 
you're constantly on social media. You see your friends going out. You see um, this is happening here today. There's an event here. There's that. And you want to go and you want to go be a part of everyday life. But all of that was gone. Yeah. Now, what you had was literally what you had in your room. So yeah. either you figure out a way to entertain yourself, to make something, or you just sit there. And with that anxiety gone, with the fear of missing out gone, it kind of allowed me to just push. And I've written more articles in maybe the last month than I've written in the last year or two. Yeah. I've been able to create... I think I shot and edited like four or five music videos already. And at the start of the year, I didn't even know how to use Premiere Pro. I couldn't even edit a music video. Oh, wow. It's like, yeah. it's allowed me to get gain a lot of skills that I just would probably never have developed. Okay. Uh, but can you see any downside to, to this uh, quarantine? Um, I think for sure with the job market. As someone mm -hmm. who's just come out of uh, you know, who's just come out of university? Yeah, it's scary because you'll go on, you'll go on LinkedIn, you'll go on all the places where you're meant to go to find jobs, and it'll be like a job is posted an hour ago, and I have 600 views already, and it's yeah. like there's 600 people looking at this one job, and you just, you, it's very disheartening because you don't think you're gonna get it, and yeah. nine out of ten times you probably won't get it because there's too many people going for the same jobs, like in the last two months i think thousands of people have been let go i think a couple of weeks ago i saw a headline that said ten thousand people were, were let go within like one weekend so wow. everybody's looking for jobs yeah different so, times eh? Bad. yeah yeah it's, uh, it's it's scary in a way um but you know the the thing is is that um like sometimes when i speak to uh to my people back in Tanzania, and uh, we in the conversation, then somehow it comes up that you know, yeah, you know the the quarantine coming of the uh, COVID nineteen, and it's it's very strange because they have for them it was something that happened once upon a time, and it's completely forgotten right now because uh, of course I don't think uh, the the, the I, I believe that there are still cases of COVID-19, but because a decision was taken by the government to declare that it's a COVID-free country, uh, so nobody talks about it and people just go on with their business. And yeah. uh, it's just a very interesting uh, contrast when you talk to people uh, uh, who are in Tanzania, because for them, for a very long time that they have uh, been living without talking about COVID anymore. And uh, whenever you bring it up, it's like a new thing. Uh, yeah, so it's quite strange, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I haven't looked into it, but uh, Tanzania's like main industry is uh, tourism, right? So that probably played a pretty big role in that decision, didn't it? I think it did. I think yeah. it did. And uh, there's also an election coming up uh, at the end of, um, or at the end of October this month. Uh, and uh, of course, there are a lot of uh, big infrastructure projects that we are still ongoing. And, uh, you know, like if you have a government, uh, the current government that uh, is going into the election, I think chances are they want to show what they have been doing. And if uh, we have seen all around the world that the effect of Corona, 
that the economy has shrunk, things have come to a standstill. And if that was allowed to be the case in Tanzania, I think uh, maybe the, the wise people sitting in the, in the ruling seat decided that uh, they are not going to allow that. So it's between them and Corona, and Corona was not given a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's a very um, interesting insight. Um, Elijah, there's one thing that I would, I, I've always wanted to ask um, since I saw your name, uh, which is how your name is written and how your name is, uh, is, uh, is pronounced. Because from the moment I heard that Elijah, so uh, for me it was E-A, E-L-I-J-A-H. Mm -hmm. And then um, I saw that it's E-L-I-S-H-A. Uh, e yeah. Do you want to shed some light to me on, on so, how this comes about? My name is Elisha. So um, it's because of my grandfather. My grandfather's name was Elisha. So I'm Elisha the second. So I, I was named after him. But... <clears throat> On a larger scale, I was named I was named after Elisha from the Bible. Okay. So in the Bible, there's Elijah and yeah. Elisha. And when Elijah was passing on, he gave Elisha the double anointing. So okay. Elisha took on the he he held the torch and moved forward after Elijah passed. So, and it's spelled E L I S H A. Yeah. Well, so are you Elijah or are you Elisha? I'm Elisha. The second. Elisha. Oh, right. Okay. So now I got this one right because I've yeah, been wondering all this time. Big problem. Yeah. Moving schools. When I came on the first day to my new school in England when I was like 13, yeah. everyone was shocked because they thought it was a girl coming. They were like <laughs> so confused. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm glad that I got this one uh, clear now. Um, success and failure, uh, these are very, uh, they're very personal in terms of how people define success and how they define failure, but probably maybe more success than failure. I think they are, uh, success is more personalized than, uh, than failure because failure, it tends to be more obvious than success. Yeah. And, um, I would like maybe to hear from you, what does success mean to you? Or how do you see, how, how do you describe a success in your life? Or what it means to you? Um, to me, I think success would be, on a general level, doing whatever it is that makes you happy mm -hmm. and whatever it is that you like desire, but for me specifically on what would make me happy and what I would desire, I would be happy or I'd consider myself successful if I was able to create art that I believe would have a lasting impact on people and mm -hmm. culture and would help push uh, this idea of a good and strong African people mm -hmm. 
and also probably on like a more social level to be to have a family and to create my own little group of people that and when I say family, I don't literally just mean like a wife and children. I mean like no, no, no. It's a community. Community. Yeah. Yeah. Of people who love me and who I love and who I care for and will always be able to rely on and have that back. Okay, so it's basically you're talking about uh, uh, a community and having a relationship with people that you can uh, you can feel comfortable with. You are happy to be with. You are happy to engage with, and hopefully they feel the same. Yeah, about and, your present. and who can push and put who can push me and I can push them towards doing better and um, just striving to do great things. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's uh, that's good. What, what would success be for you? Uh, for me, I think uh, success. It's um. It's, I think for me, success is linked with uh, the, what I consider to be the purpose of uh, my life in uh, being in this world. And uh, it's, for me, my purpose is to, is to serve, is to serve uh, other people, is to uh, serve the, the world, meaning that uh, to do my very best in uh, while I exist, but is to help other people around me and to also look after others and to look after the environment around me. And the more I do that, or the more I can do uh, the best job in that, the more successful I can feel because of the satisfaction that I will derive from that. Mm -hmm. So that's that's how I see success. And I, I find it to be um, a journey and it's not a destination, obviously. So it's a work in progress. And there are maybe there are days or moments that I feel that I'm achieving more than others. Mm -hmm. So that's that's how I see it. Um, what are your thoughts on this idea of like like the concept of the selfish gene that everything we do is actually just for ourselves? It's so like even all the altruistic things we do, it's purely because it'll make us feel good about ourselves. Do you would you agree with that or do you disagree with that? Because I think that's something I kind of fight, I battle with sometimes. I'm not certain about. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't know. Personally, what I think is that uh, we, in everything that we do as human beings, there's an element of our personal interest in what we do. So there's something that we gain. And what we gain varies uh, depending on what it is that we do what our values are, and that kind of thing. And um, I think it's, it's perfectly normal to be, uh, to consider yourself interested and to be maybe selfish to some extent. But I think it's more important to be aware of uh, your motives and intentions while you're doing something so that this you can have less of this uh, conflict or dilemma when you're doing things by telling yourself that oh i'm being uh, uh maybe i'm doing this for others while in actual fact you're doing it for yourself is purely to satisfy yourself but you want to be you want to be seen maybe to be helping others or to doing things for others so i think it all starts from within once you are clear within you are 
you, you have peace within yourself and you know why what you're doing and why you're doing what you're doing or at least what you are planning to do and uh, what you hope to achieve the more it's clear within yourself of your motive what your motive is i think the lesser of a conflict that you can have but i, I what i want to uh, i think to emphasize on that at least from my perspective is that it's quite normal to want to do something because it gives you something because at the end of the day uh, you do something because it means something to you and uh, who is the better person to be satisfied or to draw satisfaction than yourself from that yeah and then if you're doing that while doing that you can save other people you can help other people then it's a, even a bigger plus yeah yeah plus if what if what brings satisfaction to you does help other people yeah by default you're kind of a good person exactly yeah exactly exactly yeah so yeah and and uh, um so since we are discussing about uh, all these uh, um, philosophical issues, how would you, if, if, if someone was to ask you, how would you describe yourself in, in just a few words? Um, describe myself? See, I was thinking about this um, the other day. I was talking about this with a friend. Because mm. it's like this like stage of late, like late stage capitalism where everything has to be tied to money, everything has to be tied to your career or your ability to produce. Mm. When I think of myself, I don't know, I think of like, like the first thing that comes to mind is a visual artist. I don't think of like a human, which is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I need, to, I need to figure that out and find out what, because I'm still young. So finding yeah. out what I like outside of um, our outside of politics, mm. outside of the things that I actively am trying to well, I'm not actually trying to pursue politics as a career, but I write about politics. So outside of the things I'm trying to pursue as a career, yeah, I think it's something very important and something I need to take time out eventually and just figure out. Because I yeah. used to play basketball. I used to do all these other things that weren't directly linked to maybe career growth. Mm -hmm. And I just don't do any of those things anymore. But at the same time, because of the career that I want, I would like, it's very much a, um, you draw inspiration and then you create. So I guess yeah. everything ends up falling into this kind of umbrella of career. Okay. So it, it's difficult. Because if I started to play basketball or find different hobbies, like let's say fishing, yeah. I'll start writing articles about fishing and fishing yeah. gear. So okay. it's like, I'll always write back in. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, uh, I think uh, w one of the reasons why I started the podcast is, uh, um, uh, I probably maybe explained this before, but um, I, it was during the lockdown, and uh, I was just having a conversation with, uh, with the kids in the house, and I've always had an interest of talking to, to younger people, but then I realized that uh, it was such a gift having this quarantine, because uh, I was... I had an opportunity to have more up close and uh, personal conversation with my kids in the way that I never had before. And uh, it was, it just dawned on me one day that uh, why shouldn't I have, why shouldn't I create this uh, platform where I can have just informal, 
conversation with a, a group of young people at different times and it's not it's not a formal thing and it's not directed in any kind of direction but it's just about having a conversation and just provoke some uh, thinking between the, the parties that are involved in the conversation. So like uh, just as part of what we are having here, that uh, when we walk away, I will have some things that I'll be thinking and I hope that you will also uh, take some things on board that you'll be thinking and how to uh, to either take some initiatives or change or do something, which is part of what I, for me, I would hope to achieve through this. Uh, personal satisfaction for myself, but then I hope that uh, it can have a little influence in everyone who either listens or those who come as a guest on, uh, on the podcast. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's, like, that's like a beautiful thing because yeah. it creates this channel of communication yeah. where someone who has you have a lot more wisdom than a lot of us you can kind of help and guide us while also learning from us yeah and and i think uh, this is the thing that uh as much as maybe i'm older and i maybe maybe have some experience in life but uh, i have this um mindset or at least it's my philosophy in life that uh just because i'm older it doesn't mean that i know it all and uh, there's quite a lot that I can learn uh, from different people, and especially from younger people, because there's so much that they know that I don't know. And there's so much that we know as older people uh, that we think we know that maybe we are just misinformed. So this exchange is, I think, is quite important here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Would you mind me asking, though, what's like one piece of like, advice that you wish you had known when you were around 22? Um, well, that's a very good question. Uh, I, I think, um, to be honest, if, if anything, it would be maybe to be more involved than I, I was quite active when I was at that age uh, to be involved in different kind of uh, activities. Um, extracurricular activities but then given an opportunity i would probably be more involved in other things that i was not involved in but then i had limitations so yeah in a way maybe not that i would not do anything different but uh if i have more uh, opportunity i would have been more involved in uh in, in some of the extracurricular activities yeah so just try more things, essentially, while you uh, can. I think it's uh, it's important to to uh, to be open to to do different things, to be involved with uh, uh, different activities that bring you into contact with different people, and this uh, allows you to be in contact with difference. Because I think it's that is uh, we tend to want to align ourselves with. Uh, people that we can assimilate with, people that we have uh, maybe similar thoughts and that kind of, uh, and ideas. But I think there's so much growth that comes into pushing ourselves to interact with people that are either very different or they push us to think differently. And, and uh, that, that's one thing I find that uh, it can be that given time and given an opportunity and go back in time 
uh, without uh, restrictions, I'll be more involved in uh, doing uh, more things than yeah. I did. Yeah. And even like with today, we're losing that opportunity completely with like um, cancel culture and people who have different opinions from you being completely silenced or deplatformed. Like yeah. I understand in certain cases where their opinions are dangerous and damaging. Yeah. Then there is a point where debate needs to be had and instead of just being, instead of just silencing, you know? Yeah. So yeah. if you were to be, if you were younger today, you probably wouldn't even have that opportunity. Cause yeah. it would just be, oh, this person's different, canceled. Yeah. 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 Which is very unfortunate. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, Elisha, I think uh, we are coming to the end of our conversation uh, for today. Um, I know for sure that uh, we are going to have uh, other opportunities to have uh, uh, more conversations in the future. And uh, I'm also going to, to organize uh, in the future some conversations where I will invite more than one guest. And uh, in that way, we can have, instead of uh, of having an introduction of who you are and talk about yourself, we can delve into some specific topics and have like uh, some kind of a panel discussion where everyone will be able to contribute to their point of views on this particular topic. So when the time comes, I'll contact you and I'll check off your availability. But before you go, I would like to know whether you have uh, anything that you like to share to the to me your host or to the audience um uh no not really i think we i think we touched on a lot of the important stuff okay I, i'd be more than happy to come back and do one of the panel talks okay yeah i'm sure you have right. interesting people on here everyone has been interesting you know i believe everyone is unique and everyone has a very special um, uh, things to offer on the table. So I thank you very much. I thank you for your time, your flexibility in arranging uh, our, our conversation and uh, for your active uh, engagement. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to um, once we put this uh, online and then our people will be able to, to, to tune in, to listen. And uh, I'll be interested also to hear the feedback that is going to come from the audience once we put this online. Well, thank you very much. It was nice talking to you. And nice talking to you too. Have a good night. You okay, too. Bye. Okay, bye-bye.